Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Okay, hi Brian, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be with you. Um, we're trying to think, we met you, was it two or three years ago now? It's hard to believe, but I think it's been at least a couple of years. Yeah. We were, and it was... It was a friends, Henry and Ilsa, right? They introduced yeah, us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. From Bridges for Peace. From Bridges for Peace. Mm-hmm. That's right, right. And we went to a restaurant called Barbara's. Do you remember that? Yes. It was yeah. a nice restaurant. That was a really nice. nice restaurant. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we've enjoyed, we really enjoyed connecting with you then. And um, we, when we put together the podcast, we thought, you know, who are some people we'd love to have on? And you were one of the first names that came up. And uh, just to continue a conversation with you. So Great. at the beginning, do you want to just uh, tell people some about who you are, your background and, and what you're doing now? Okay, I, my name is, uh, well, I'm Brian Schrager. I'm a journalist living in Israel. I have been in Israel for eight years now. And um Mostly, most, uh, although I do some radio, most of what I do is writing. I, I write articles for, most of my articles that get published by the Jerusalem Post, although I have written for other things as well. Um, one of my, uh, one of the things that actually brought me to Israel initially was concern about a, a conference in Bethlehem called Christ at the Checkpoint which is a, an anti-Israel conference that happens every two years. And they do a very good job of putting the Palestinian narrative into evangelical Christian language. And so they've had, uh, they're having quite an impact on millennials in terms of uh, pulling them away from support for Israel. You know about this, I know as well. Yeah, I think they're I taking know. that. I, I don't. That 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 that's basically who I am. I'm a journalist living in Israel. I think they're taking that conference on the road as well now, aren't they? They did last year. They they had it in the U.S. for the first time, mm. and uh, it, it there were there were not a lot of people there. I had friends go. Uh, a very good friend of mine with camera, an amazing journalist, his name is Dexter Van Zyl, was there. And a good friend in Ohio who does a weekly Prophecy News update, he's also an attorney, John Holler attended. So uh, there were good people there uh, watching out and defending the uh, the narrative, the biblical narrative and the, the Israel narrative. Uh, so one good thing about the, uh, the 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 lockdown, the whatever that's happening right now, is that this year's Christ at the Checkpoint conference has been canceled. So I'm a bit relieved. I get weary of it. I won't have to attend it this year. They're going to do it next year, they say. Yeah, hopefully they lose some momentum. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. it is sad, but it is also symptomatic of the time we live in that people are being deceived and carried along with this. Oh, well, that's, that's actually a big concern. It's, you know, there, there is deception among, and, and it's coming in among believers. And I, I have good friends who are very concerned and rightfully so about deception in, uh, among evangelicals, especially by those who are promoting a prosperity gospel or a sensationalist kind of faith or something that really just is not founded or based on scripture. And there is, in my opinion, very good reason to be concerned about this. And to, and it is false teaching, deception that's come into the church. But there's also deception now, very much coming into the conservative, Bible-believing branch of evangelicalism. And I'm very concerned about it. And it, it's interesting, interestingly enough, it's coming up in, in relation 
not only to this Christ the Checkpoint thing, which has been reaching out to millennials who are evangelicals, but it's also not coming up as a result of this or in conjunction with this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. I, I don't know about you, but I've been getting tons and tons of videos and articles and posts about all kinds of conspiracy theories. Um, and the, there's a new world order out to get uh, destroy Donald Trump. Uh, there is a cabal of somebody uh, with figureheads of, of uh, Bill Gates and Dr. Fauci in the US and they have an agenda to all the, the whole virus thing is is manufactured and what they really want to do is inject everybody with a vaccine which is really going to be a tracking device which is really the mark of the beast i mean the, the, these things are everywhere it, the, the and i'm very very concerned on two counts one vir virtually every conspiracy theory that you look at in, in the past several hundred years has turned into an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. Um, and we can talk about that more. There are interesting illustrations of this. Uh, some illustrations about which I uh, recently wrote come from the time of the Black Plague in the 14th century. The other concern is a biblical concern. Is there a conspiracy theory? Biblically, yes, <laughs> there is. Mm. But according to Ephesians 6, that conspiracy is taking place in what might be called a heavenly dimension that coexists with our own. And, and the, the writer of that epistle, the Apostle Paul, is crystal clear. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And every one of these conspiracy theories, without exception, puts the focus on people and makes the battle, the struggle against people. Now here, it gets a bit complicated, but this, this is a very interesting deception because, yes, um, People can become tools, uh, very often are tools in the hands of the real conspirators, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, as Paul describes them. So yes, people are often tools of these, of, of this genuine cabal. <laughs> um, but they are not the source of it. Um, so that's another deception, and it's coming in very much into the in, in among conservatives. Uh, the 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 current virus is a very real threat. I think it's there's room to discuss whether or not it was manufactured or or not. Right. Whether it came out of a lab in Wuhan or, you know, whether it, I, I don't think it was, but it could have been. That's 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 something that can be discussed. But it's a real, it, it's a very, very real uh, health threat and a global health threat. And I, I recently, I just finished a book, Dangerous Something, I'd have to look at it, uh, but it was about, um, it was written by an immunologist and it was published in, 20, in 2017, so three years ago. And it laid out all of the, epidemic and pandemic threats that were facing that, that, that the world was facing three years ago. And it was making a very strong, clear case that one of these was inevitably going to break out into a major epidemic or pandemic. Hmm. So it's really no surprise that this happened. Yeah, I saw um, videos as well of uh, Bill Gates speaking at a conference years ago, and he said at it that the next major uh, problem the world will face will be a virus of some sort and everyone said he was crazy at the time and well and now what what people are saying but in this deception is that they're dismissing that 
If it's a Bill, if Bill Gates said it, well, that's because he's one of the leaders of this world cabal that wants to take over and he wants to uh, reduce the world population to 500 million people, you know, and so we don't have to pay any attention because it was Bill Gates. And so the, the argument gets discredited and people are dismissing the very, very real health threat that this virus has posed and continues to pose and I guess to the whole We've had some warnings that this could happen with things like SARS and bird flu, yeah. and it seems to come every every couple of years. So. Yes, indeed. So that's a this a very interesting deception. And another aspect of this deception is that when there is a global health threat that doesn't recognize the boundaries of, of different countries. There needs to be a global response. That's kind of by definition. For everybody's self-interest, there needs to be some sort of a global effort to combat this thing. Well, the, the Christians who are very concerned or aware of end-time prophecies yeah. are seeing the, the, this reality that we need to have a global response. And they're saying, oh, no, no, no. This is all end times antichrist things well I, I it would not surprise me at all if the, the our real enemy as per ephesians 6 will do everything he they can to take advantage of global structures that are put in place to combat this virus and other things but that doesn't mean that the global efforts themselves are nefarious. They're not. They're necessary. Mm. Um, and then I guess the last thing I'll say, like to say about this is that, um, and, and this is what makes this deception so, so brilliant, I suppose, is that in the name of, of calling out deception, <laughs> and focusing on human individuals, on human agency, in, instead of, as Paul says, no, don't focus, it's not human agency, it's these spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realm. By doing that, we actually play into the cons real conspiracy because our genuine enemy wants nothing more than for us to focus on anything and everything except what he and his lackeys are doing yeah so anyway that that's my i mean the whole topic of deception is a very very big concern and while we are seeing some really really disturbing outbreaks of anti-semitism not only from the usual sources but now even among uh evangelicals yeah we were talking to someone the other day and we were talking some about this and um, how there are people you can see world leaders saying we need someone to rise up and coordinate a global effort and um, and we're saying to him that there's a lot about this vaccine from it's it's nothing to it's the mark of the beast you know and everything in between and and so you know we were saying look whether it's right or wrong to have the vaccine on what people what people think about it you know we don't personally think it's the it, I mean, as far as I know, you don't get vaccines in your forehead and your right hand. So, um, you know, this isn't the mark <laughs> of the beast. But it, whether it's right or wrong is is one question. But actually, I think it's making those decisions or being aware of the bigger picture. So having the vaccine may not be a problem. Um, but what's the bigger picture? Just being aware when you make the decisions, this could be leading us down a certain path. We may not be doing anything wrong, but just be aware of where we're going. Exactly, and I think that that's that is a that's discernment. That's what the Bible calls discernment and wisdom. And it it's not it's not a. Uh, I mean that that uh, that balanced perspective is not one that you get all riled about. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not putting up memes and you're not screaming and yelling about that. That is a calm, sensible analysis yeah and in these times biblically we are called to be sober-minded 
right? Yeah. And to be uh, to think clearly, soberly, and uh, one red flag is at any time we find ourselves being caught up in extreme passion. Um, we are slipping out of the flow of God's spirit, of what he intends for us. As we look at events as they are unfolding, we're to be clear-minded, sober-minded, and alert, yes. But we're not supposed to, we're not to be panicky or, um, we need to we need uh, we need to have our guard up against two two kinds of dynamics and really maybe two facets of the same dynamic magical thinking and what at least one translation of the Bible calls vain imaginations. Hmm. Um, magical thinking is thinking that I know something I cannot know, and vain imaginations are creating scenarios in our minds and actually believing that they're real. <laughs> and again, it may, again, two facets of the same thing. So we are to be clear-minded, clear sober-minded as we go into these unusual events that the world is, is facing. And we'll, I think we're likely to see more of them. This is not going to change. Yeah. But uh, a big, big concern <laughs> is if... Uh, if the, if believers now are so being so easily deceived by these conspiracy theories and distracted and taken off course, when the real deception comes from the real Antichrist, it's, he's not going to have any problems. <laughs> it's going to be a cakewalk for him. Yeah. We've said this about other issues, but we, we think some people are being deceived by very obvious deception. It's not even subtle. Yeah. And so we see that and go, wow, if that's an obvious deception, yeah. this is terrifying. When this is going to get really yeah. subtle, how, how easy it will be for people to get swept away. Yeah. Um, have, there's a, I've seen there's a, I haven't seen this, but I've seen there's a, a movie going around online called Plandemic. Have you seen it? I, yes. Okay. What well, I've not seen it either. I've been sent it, but I haven't looked at oh, it. Oh, okay. I, I went to look at it on YouTube earlier on, and it's been removed for for violating YouTube's uh, some sort of. Thing. <laughs> and the person who sent it to me when I, I that was just yesterday, and that was sent to me, and I sent back a screenshot of the YouTube notice, and the response was, "Well, that just proves it." Uh, yes. <laughs> I see. <laughs> that just proves that it's true. Well, that, because that was an easy argument. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> it's still on Vimeo, so I'm going to watch it later and see what that's talking about. But I think I think it's I think there's a website for it. I got some someone else sent me a a website that seems to be the same name as the movie. Oh, that may be where I've the link I've got as well. Yeah. Uh, but I think this this whole one of the things that we think is um, scary about deception in a way, is deception deceives. So if I'm not aware of deception, I mean, I could be being deceived because deception deceives, so how do I know I'm being deceived? So it's a very personal thing as well as a global thing. And you know, what checks and balances do we put in our lives to ensure that personally we don't go down this deception route? Yeah, you know, that's a big it's a big issue, and I, for my part, it's a daily uh, it's a matter of bringing issues before God every day personally. It's spirit, the spiritual warfare of putting on the armor again, going back to Ephesians six, isn't just um, doing it or picturing it, but it, it's also actually going to issues of my own uh, my own stuff. Mm. And where I have found, or, or and, and identifying when I am drawn into magical thinking or vain imaginations, and I have to address them and renounce them. And I, I think that it's something that, as I do this in my own life, as I, as with the help of God's Spirit, I identify my own tendencies in own the own the specific areas 
where I tend to fall prey to vain imaginations. For example, I can very easily, if, if, I, if somebody has hurt or offended me, I can create conversations that have not happened. <laughs> it's called, in counseling terms, it's called ruminating. Yes, and I, can, and I can create them, and I can get upset, and I can actually find myself, I can't believe they said that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you never, it never happened. Yeah. Right? Um, and I have created these, this scenario, and it's like, what in the world am I doing? This is not real. This is crazy. And so I have to, uh, you know, I have been learned over the years to identify when this is happening and immediately renounce it because it is a distraction. It also drains me. It takes away my focus and energy from the things that are real <laughs> and need to be coped with. And uh, it pulls me away. It, it, it takes away the strength I need for things. It also puts me in a position where I am kind of taking God's place in uh, understanding things or trying to control or whatever. So how do, we, how do we armor up? How do we get in shape in our spirits and in our minds and in our psyches so that we're not deceived? And I think it's a daily, it's a matter of daily exercise. I think for myself, um, a couple of things that have come to my awareness lately, about a few days ago, and like you, people are sending stuff all the time. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to read anything for a bit. Even from pe people are sending this, sending that, sending the other, expecting me to reply to them. And I am just not doing it because you have to step back and think Jesus only for a bit. I have got to be so focused on him. I can reach out and read some of this stuff. But I felt myself right. being drawn down this thing. I mean, I'm now watching them <laughs> once a day. That's it. And I'm having a fast from all this stuff to reposition myself. So that self-awareness. The other thing that I think is really, really crucial in our lives is knowing the people that we trust, we are connected with them and who will speak truth into mm. our lives, that we're not islands. Mm. And I know for, yes. for us, we're having to sit and say, you know, okay, we have to draw closer to these people. Um, we have yes. always had in our lives certain people we say if, if things are starting to spiral in the world who are we going to look to to take our checks and balances but the scripture that says do not neglect the meeting together even more as the time gets near that's that's a very very good word and i uh, and i think yeah. you know we are and we must say to ourselves okay who are these people and how do we draw closer because yes. you know, we cannot trust ourselves we can't say you know i've got it right. together so those two things for me have been something that even over the last couple of weeks been really thinking about <clears throat> mm. and of course you know our concern is the emerging generation and to be raise a healthy generation we've got to be healthy ourselves We've got to put yes. the mask on ourselves first what we do then. And I think it's right. more things that, that we have to watch as well as these bigger things. And um, I, I do this um, overview of the book of Revelation in about 40 minutes, right? And I have said to people, I've said to pastors and leaders all over the world, we have taken the book of Revelation out the hands of a generation. But if there's a blessing promise by reading that book, that is for a child as well as an adult. So I said on the platform, um, the book of Revelation can be understood by a child. And one of the pastors said to me, and he was genuine, he said, Daphne, can you show us? So I did this 12, 13 minute overview of the book of Revelation as if I was speaking to a child and the pastors wept. I mean, they just wept. And um, and so anyway, I was sitting with this girl, probably about 15, and I was giving her a ride in my car. 
And she said to me, Daphne, I understand you can make the book of Revelation easy for me to understand. I said, I can. She said, can you show me now? So as we were driving along, I did this overview, which is mostly about the heart of the book, which we have destroyed. We have given it a different heart. And at the end of it, I said to her, do you believe me? And she said, oh, yes. I said, wrong answer. Wrong answer. You go away read it for yourself and then you come back and tell me whether you believe me or not and i think it's the mm -hmm. little things we have to throw into our lifestyles not just with the emerging generation to catch ourselves in these moments because we don't want a generation growing up just because i'm daphne not that i'm anybody just because it's so and so speaking i'm going to say yes sir and believe them so it's building these lifestyle checks and balances into ourselves and the next generation, as well as the, the bigger things. Does that make sense? Very much so. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I In fact, I, I have a tendency to isolate myself, right? It's not good, but I, I tend to live inwardly more than I do outwardly. And so I have to actually work to get outside and make sure that I'm staying in in fellowship with, contact with healthy people. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't think this needs to be, or even perhaps should be, a large number of people. Uh, there, there are a handful of people that I know and I trust. And um, so, yeah, and, and it's a matter, I mean, the, the passage that comes to mind, the proverb is that iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with healthy people, with people I trust, who I know don't have an agenda um, of control or any other kind of agenda over me or in my life, um, I, I need to be talking with them because it, uh, it keeps me from getting, um, having distorted thinking. Yeah. From being alone and isolated too much. Yeah. When it comes to like wrestling with, especially when it comes to wrestling with things like the signs of the times and the days we're living in and the, the years which are ahead. I mean, there aren't lots of people seriously wrestling with that. And that is yeah. I mean, from our experiences, we traveled around the world. That's what we've seen. And um, people, um, the, the people we have talked to that are seriously wrestling with it are, are islands on their own. And if they try and talk to other people about it, they're made to feel like they're crazy. Oh, you're a conspiracy yeah. theorist, all this kind of stuff. And so, right. you know, for one of the things that we're going to talk to you more about this after, but we've started a new initiative called the Isakar Network, which is providing a place for people who are seriously wrestling with this to come together, meet in groups, on, on Zoom or whatever platform uh, to really wrestle with these issues. What does it mean to be a man of Issachar from 1 Chronicles 12.32 today um, who understood the signs of the times and also knew what to do? And um, so that, that, I mean, that's something we're really wrestling with at the minute. And it's, it's a part of, uh, you know, for us as a ministry, looking at how do we now adjust in this new normal um, and also moving into the future you know, what's the new way we're going to do things? And we think this is one of the things for us, um, which will become a, a big focus for us going forward. It's being intentional about these things and being, because I think uh, the days that we're living in with this pandemic gives us a huge opportunity, a massive opportunity to mm. reposition ourselves, to take stock and to move forward for what is to come. Um, I did a... a yes. A, on, on our YouTube channel, which is G to G, number two G mandate. And it's called don't press pause. And I see so many Christians using this as a time. Yes, we're just going to relax. We can not do anything. We can have a spectacle. And there's nothing wrong with relaxing in this time, but it is when it's a spiritual relaxing that it's really a time for us all to take stock as you've been saying and to think through these things so that we emerge ready for the next period rather than having been on holiday and then we find we've got our bags packed and we're not ready indeed 
indeed. So, well, I, um, I, 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 I think it's really wonderful that that you're you're creating a forum for people to discuss their genuine concerns and questions about end times. Um, the, the this this growing uh, interest in Bible prophecy. Um, and I, I'm kind of circling back here, but there is a risk of focusing on conspiracy theories that turn into anti-Semitism. Yes, do talk more about I, that, um, John. Well, I was recently involved in a prayer group, and and um, it was put together by someone I in, I hold in high regard, a genuinely spiritual, godly person, and sophisticated, uh, a lover of Israel, who understands the issues, has been here many times. And at the beginning of one of the prayer sessions, this person said, there was kind of talk about, this is early on in the virus, as it was just beginning to hit, and in Israel we were facing just beginning to look at quarantine. And at the beginning of the prayer session, it was a Zoom thing. This person said something about concerns that this was being, uh, about what was going on, how it was being, things were being manipulated, and economically, by the Rothschilds, perhaps. Well, my alarms immediately went off. Red flags went up, right? Uh, anytime you hear a Rothschild conspiracy, you're hearing an anti-Semitic uh, conspiracy that, that goes, actually has its roots in this, this, this pamphlet book that's been around for, what, 120 years or so called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, mm -hmm. um, which has been used to justify the Holocaust. I mean, Hitler used it. But this thing is not dead and gone. This, this, this conspiracy theory that's put forward in this, in this pamphlet is very, very much alive. And it, and it goes to a, a cabal. It, it, it proposes there's a cabal of Jews that have met once, once every hundred years, and they have a very specific agenda. And this book purports to be uh, meeting um, notes from this cabal. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with economic policy. Well, then that goes to the Rothschilds because the Rothschilds were a very big family in finance from the Middle Ages onward. So anytime you hear those, these kind of buzzwords, alarms should go off. Um, here's what happens, and it's easiest for me to illustrate this because I just recently did some research on it in an article I wrote for the Jerusalem Post. The, it was called COVID-19 and the Jews, Today's Black Plague. So I, I looked back and I, I read about and studied up on what happened during the Black Plague. It hit Europe in 1348. And it hit southern Italy. Uh, some 12 ships came in from, I think it was Carthage. And there was nothing particularly unusual about ships coming into port because they delivered goods all the time there. But these particular ships brought the Black Plague to Europe from the east. Well, when, as it hit Europe during 1348 and then moved inexorably upward toward France, uh, there was increasing alarm because the death rates were like 50, 60 percent. I mean, people were falling like flies. And um, so the big question, of course, was why is this happening? What's the cause? It was every bit as invisible to them, perhaps even more so, than the COVID-19 virus is to us. It was a big mystery. How did this happen? Where did it come from? 
And so inevitably, theories began to be put forward that the enemies of France were, were poisoning the water wells. They were actually putting things into the wells, powders, whatever, and they were doing this because it, it was coming from Israel's enemies. That was one theory. And then another was that uh, actually the Pope at the time put forward, I think it was the Pope, or maybe it was some other leader in the, in the Catholic Church, that the cause was uh, due to an alignment of the planets. <laughs> it was a zodiacal cause. <laughs> well, the thing about those theories is that if it's, if it's a mysterious undercover secret agent, if they're, if they're poisoning the wells, how do you identify them? You can't, right? And if it's, if it's because of the alignment of the planets or the stars, you can't really do anything about that either. Yeah. So where did, the, where did these theories end up parking? Well, they parked on the Jews. The Jews were very easy a target because they had been targeted for centuries, even at that point, by the church. They were targeted throughout the Reformation, I mean, throughout the, uh, the Crusades, and uh, really every Easter they would get targeted uh, as those who killed Christ, and there would be, really every, every Easter there would be um, many pogroms, things happened to Jews. They were demonized. And so it was easy to, to pick up on this narrative, which was embedded in Christianity, and it was actually embedded from probably um, the um, 50, early 50s in the Common Era, or AD, right? Even before um, uh, Jerusalem, the temple fell in Jerusalem. We see the roots of it in Romans chapter 11. Paul wrote and warned the mostly Gentile, then Gentile church in Rome against arrogance. Yeah. And uh, he very, very clearly said that the promises and covenants of God are irrevocable, irrevocable, right? Um, so he said, don't be arrogant. Um, and in fact, he also continued to say very, very clearly in the book of Romans that the gospel was to the Jew first. So this continued. God's priority was still the Jews. And he said, I would gladly die. I'd give my life for my, for, for, for my uh, human family, these chosen people of God. Mm. So he, but unfortunately, Paul's warning fell on deaf ears and it failed it just plain failed it was rejected and in fact what took place was just the opposite of what he told them to do uh gentile christians became arrogant he said don't be arrogant they became arrogant um he said the jews are god's plan with the jews continues and they said no it's done and this so this this ideology this replacement theology this arrogance came into Christianity early, early on. So it's in the very DNA of every, every branch of Christendom. It's in our DNA. Um, so in 1348-49, these conspiracy theories, which had began by focusing on foreign agents or the alignment of the planets, shifted and said, no, it's the Jews. And what happened after that is unspeakable. Uh, Jews were rounded up in cities throughout France, and they were herded, men, women, children, into homes that were set up, or, 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 or synagogues that were sent abla set ablaze. They were burned alive. Um, and then when it, when it went up, when this conspiracy theory, when this went up into Germany, interestingly enough, the massacres were in the hundreds of thousands. In, uh, in the province of, or the German state that includes Berlin, the name is escaping me offhand, maybe, maybe you know it, but in that state within Germany, 
there were actually very, very macabre uh, uh, barbecues. <laughs> they barbecued Jews alive. The, the, the threat is it, it, to, to, uh, of anti-Semitism and of, of, of the threat of these conspiracy theories is, is a matter of life and death to the Jews. And believe me, Jews know this very well. They're very, very keenly aware what's happening here in Israel is that Israel is carefully monitoring the development of anti-Semitic, um, the growing tide of anti-Semitic theories and uh, throughout the world. Uh, they, they've been through it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> they know it very well. As believers, we need to be keenly aware of it too. And we need to be keenly aware that, the, that this can erupt even among us because the DNA, the, 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 the corruption of our, <laughs> of our DNA that happened back in Rome when Paul wrote the church there, that corruption began early on. So it's in all streams of Christianity. It's not just in another stream that we're not part of. I'll shut up. <laughs> Good. This is really, really good, but really, really good. And we've—I've heard these conspiracy theories. I mean, there is talk, and and I've read it. Um, I don't know whether it's come from Stand with Us or the Jerusalem Post, but it, it's from an Israeli sort that that Israel is making great advances in terms of. Um, being able to identify the pandemic, maybe in terms of, of a cure, maybe in terms of um, a vaccine. So then, right. instead of rejoicing, what do I hear going yeah. out there? Ah, yeah. so they originated it. So, yes. now they, so they can make money. Right. So that now they can get some money. I'm like, exactly. can, can Israel do nothing right? You know, and then, No. Yeah. So, we, we also oh, talk. it's insidious. Mm. In fact, to the degree that Israel prospers and benefits the world coming out of this pandemic, it will be used against Israel. Yeah. We saw as well that um, the, one of the leaders of the BDS movement said, if Israel does create a vaccine, then it's okay to use the vaccine. I was like, well, that's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> you have to laugh and shake your head. Um, yeah, that that was the guy who started it. Arkudi, what's his name? I don't know. Yeah. He used to live in Tel Aviv. I don't know if he does anymore. But it goes back to some of the key things that you said. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not about the leader of the BDS movement. It's not about what people are saying about Israel. It is a spiritual alignment um, against Israel against Jerusalem and, and I think this is only going to intensify even yes. the time grows near it's going to intensify and very much so. and you also just said we need to be aware it is in the DNA which comes back again to how do we protect ourselves from slipping down mm -hmm. this route what do we do to be self-aware etc because if we don't apply what you're saying to our own lives personally, we're going to become part of that picture. Yes, exactly. On. So I am not listening to what you're saying as an academic conversation, although in many ways it is academic, but the academic then comes back to me and says, so what do I do about it? Yes, yes. So that I don't end up there because I've been deceived and I'm sitting here thinking I'm okay. It's a big alarm bell that you're ringing that people need to hear. I think as well that if we didn't have a grasp of the the spiritual realm, the the conflict going on there, uh, I think I, I don't know how people don't go completely insane with this whole anti-Semitic right. thing. Like yeah. the, the accusations go from the sublime to the ridiculous. I, I remember seeing that there was a, a shark attack somewhere in the Middle East. I can't remember where it was. And the, the article I saw was saying that it was a shark attack. The shark was put there by Israel. They like helicoptered this shark in, dropped it so that it would attack people. It's like, this is absolutely wild. Um, so thank, like, uh, yeah, I don't know how people 
who don't have that perspective of a greater um, battle. battle going on over that land and that people even grasp these, uh, the, these things that are going on, the accusations and stuff like that. I, I think it's also what's striking me even as we speak right now is a reality that I'm sure you're experiencing because of what you do. Anybody who gets involved with Israel or lives here as a believer, the spiritual attacks become unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like, it comes at you. It's like, what in the world? And, and sometimes it's, you wake up in the middle of the night and something's going on in your brain, you know, in a, a dream. And it's like, what? Where's that coming from? Or trusted good friends betray. Yeah. And uh, walk away. Or you have to walk away from them. Um, and then oftentimes here, and I'm sure you know this where you are too, but oftentimes here, there's just a sense of heaviness. Um, and, and it also tends to be sometimes location-based. Um, for example, if I go into the old city of Jerusalem or into Bethlehem, Bethlehem, there is a spiritual heaviness. It's like an atmosphere. It's like going to another planet where gravity doubles or triples. Um, and the only way, the only way to survive here, and I'm sure you've learned this too, is to do spiritual warfare. It can't just, it can't, it can't be something that is a theological argument or right. a nice picture. You really do have to put on the armor every day. You really do have to pray and, and you have to renounce evil spirits, evil thoughts, whatever, you have to renounce them in Yeshua's name. Yeah. Um, and this has to become just like, like breathing. You have to do this to live. Yeah. This, it, it isn't, it isn't something that is a, you, you don't talk about it. You don't brag about it, but you've got to get in shape. You've got to do it. You won't survive if you don't. And I think that's a huge, huge issue going forward into, into the times that are, that we're entering, that we're in, that we are in now, and that we're moving into. Things are going to get more intense. Yeah. Uh, not less. We'll have pockets of peace. Perhaps like for the next couple of months, we might have a bit of relief, a respite. But it's the, the, this intensity is not over. These things are going to come back. Now, maybe in different forms, there'll be different things. But we are moving into the, an, a time when, when things are going to be stressful. Yeah. Unbelievably trusting. When it came to um, things we were doing to support Israel a number of years ago, um, we made the documentary Quest for Truth and yeah. about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And you know, when we started to really ramp up the work we were doing with Israel and, and the Jewish people around the world, we knew that we couldn't do this as an island um, when dealing with this subject. So uh, at that point, we were very... Um, intentional with connecting ourselves with other people that are also doing that work that understand the battle that rages when dealing with it so uh, you're absolutely right and we've we've taken massive blows as a as a ministry as a as a family personally um, because of the stance we've taken uh, so you're 100 percent uh, correct that that you need to be intentional with finding ways to um, have a support system around you and, and to look after yourself. We, um, somebody said to us, do not be surprised as generation to generation. They said, if you're, you are focused on the emerging generation and Israel, don't be surprised what comes your way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it, it, yeah, and you, you, I don't know that you can, you can entirely anticipate it. Uh, it you learn as you go, and it means a lot of sucker punches. Yeah, and you <laughs> a sucker punch. You know, when the wind gets knocked out of you, you don't expect it, right? Yeah. 
uh, you said about you know coming attacks coming from those close to you and it was, yeah. it was those that really hurt very I mean, close the people that you don't know or people that don't like you it's to be expected attack us fine that that's no problem right. but yeah the the biggest blows were those that we didn't see coming and, and from those that we thought yeah. were close to us that we'd known for many many years allies supporters yeah yeah um and um oh my word it, yeah this these things are ha these things have happened to me and it's like it's it's stunning the hardest attacks are the ones that come from within um and a, a related lesson I am learning is that sometimes the people through whom these attacks come need to no longer be part of my life. But sometimes, on the other hand, they do. Mm. Uh, because the struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's difficult to separate the behavior of individuals from the real source of that behavior. Um, mm. And like all of us, some, some attacks come from people who are well-intentioned and they are still friends. But I, have, I am learning and it's been hard for me not to just completely write them off, um, but to to be perhaps a bit more cautious about things I've learned about that person, but not no, not forsake them as friends or allies or supporters. Um, there's a tendency, at least on my part, and I think when anybody, if you're if you're hit <laughs> hard and it's a shock and it's unfair, it's unjust. There's a tendency just to say, "Well, fine, I'll unfriend you, I'll block you, you're out of my life." Uh, sometimes that needs to happen. I think that it's a process when these things happen. It's not an event. And yes. through that process afterwards, I think you, it's a self, it's um, almost not self-fulfilling, but um, it identi the path identifies itself. Um, I have a very strong mandate over my life, which says it's got to be harder to be my enemy than it has to be my friend. And so, Pete, you've got to fight real hard to be my enemy. <clears throat> and so I'm very quick to forgive. I'm very quick to want to reconcile. It's just, it's not, a, it's just who I am. And in that process, I do find out who are the ones that are going to end up just not being part of it and who are. So from what you were saying, it's that quick decision that's not, I, I had an incident not too long ago where somebody, but it was really difficult, really difficult. And um, just one moment, just one meeting of five minutes to go humbly to them and do it has resulted in that person really pulling themselves close to me. And um, there's been others which have been really hard and I've reached out one, over the years, reached out and they've just drawn further back. Right. So I yeah. think when, when we're reactionary to these events is when we probably make the mistakes and not first look at ourselves and say, how do I walk humbly? How do I walk through this um, with the goal of reconciliation while at the same time protecting our own hearts? Right, which is a matter in current lingo, we're talking about boundaries. Yeah. Healthy boundaries. Yeah. And um, one thing I remember when I first became aware of boundaries, the issue of boundaries, I don't know, many, many years ago, I remember someone saying that when a person is learning boundaries at first, they tend to overreact. Um, and, and so if someone crosses a boundary, they're very, very harsh and they write that person out or they rebuke strongly um, but as you mature with boundaries you are able to keep them without being harsh mm. uh, without writing off people altogether mm. i don't know so i did but regardless it's a, it's not an easy thing learning to live with healthy biblical boundaries and it's a daily daily challenge at least for me yeah well as we begin to wind this up yeah would you have a kind of summary of what you feel overall for now 
and for the coming season ahead of us what what would you say to people listening in the light of this is where mm. we are and my feel for what is coming not necessarily politically or anything but but what you would like to say to people on that we are moving into a season in the world of increased uncertainty and and it is it is easy to become afraid or paralyzed or frantic um in my own life i I have found in the past that I tend to be, uh, when I get anxious, I will tend to either get be paralyzed or frantic. I've got to move and get something done now, or, you know, I can't do anything, you know, I'm frozen. And I don't know, it was probably seven or eight years ago, I felt uh, God gave me, what, what, how many, who had with Okay, he gave me five words, <laughs> and then he gave me four more. And I think that this is these words are I've tested them again and again over the years, and they keep I keep being reminded of them. Um, and I, I I'm convinced that they are biblically authenticated. The five words, the first five words, I. I felt God gave me as counsel was move ahead with calm deliberation. And I really like that. I mean, it resonated with me and still does. Keep moving, but in with calmly, which is shalom. In the if there's a thing that way God leads us, it is in his peace. There's an inner core of his shalom, his peace. So we're to move, not be paralyzed, not be frantic, move ahead with calm deliberation. And that's deliberation with God, with ourselves, and in healthy interaction with other people. Um, and, then, and then I got four more words. Uh, and holy chutzpah, too. <laughs> Do you know the word chutzpah? Yeah. Chutzpah is a Jewish... Uh, term and it often means someone who's a bit obnoxious. Uh, you know, they do something inappropriate. They they're aggressive. But there is a uh, a holy chutzpah, a kind of you know, um, I don't know, sass, <laughs> a holy sass. <laughs> so uh, it, it's it in the and for me, holy chutzpah is is a spirit of life right? Optimism. Uh, a, a bit, okay, fine, I'll take a chance. So as we go into, as we continue to move ahead into times that are more and more intense, uh, I respectfully suggest that this, this counsel applies uh, in every aspect of our lives. We're not to become paralyzed or frantic. Um, and that can happen in the mind as well as in the body. In fact, it begins in the mind, in the heart. Um, so we need to guard our hearts and in our hearts, in our minds, and then in our conduct and our choices that we make, move ahead. Moving is the very essence of life. If we're sitting still, we're paralyzed, we're dying. If we're frantic, that's another kind of paralysis. And that's the very antithesis of trusting God. So we're to move ahead one step at a time. And, and as we move, we are consulting with God and listening to his consultations to us. And that includes, as we've discussed here today, healthy dialogue with other people and interaction with them, living in fellowship, in a healthy fellowship with other people, uh, a like-minded people. Um, so we move ahead with calm deliberation and then with uh, holy chutzpah. Do you know a little bit of zip? Yeah? I like it. We're not, we're, we're not boring. We're not, we're not uh, 
<laughs> we're, we're not so serious that we can't have fun right. in, in the process. Exactly. We can actually we can actually be in these times, and we can live. Yeah. Yeah. That is great, Brian. Thank you so, so much. I mean, that is a great note to, to finish on, yeah? Yeah, anything regarding fun is, uh, is a good note for us. Yeah. Um, so thanks, Brian. Thank you for, for joining us. We've enjoyed talking to you. It's always good to, to uh, hear your voice and see your face. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Definitely. I know that you have a lot more to say, so maybe we'll check in with you another time, but so glad you agreed Look. to do this. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. If this impacted you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or another podcast platform.